HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by our neighbors, Fine and Raw Chocolate, producers of the most delicious bean-to-bar chocolates in Brooklyn. For more information, visit fineandraw.com. Hey, this is Hannah, HRN's program manager. It's HRN's 10th anniversary and now our summer fun drive. So show your support for independent, revolutionary, entertaining food radio by becoming a monthly recurring donor. HRN is powered by a passionate community of thoughtful eaters, and we need each and every one of you to show your support so that we can keep bringing you your favorite food podcasts. It takes a village, and every dollar donated, every listener tuning in is essential to our continued success. So set up a donation for $10 every month. You'll show us that you want to be a part of a bright future for HRN. And you'll get one of our brand new limited edition Pizza Pocket t-shirts. So snag your new favorite tea and show us some love. All for the price of about two fancy lattes each month. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate today. And thank you. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in them rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you sun in the air. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. My name is Souther Teague. Hey, Souther, how are you, man? Damon, it has been forever it's since been while, we've been in man. the studio together. I know, yeah. I was here about a month ago, but you were gone. I was, and then you have been literally traveling the world. Oh, yeah. I actually went to a lot of uh, new places uh, over the past like three weeks. Went to South Africa. I was in Johannesburg, and I was in Cape Town. I went I, like, okay. So here's the thing. <laughs> Lay it on me. In Cape Town, there's one of the seven motherfucking like uh, wonders of the world. Sure. T- table Mountain. Mm-hmm. You take a tram, like a, a you know, cable car thing, up to the top of the mountain. And I have like severe vertigo. Oh, right. I forgot about that. You've told me that before. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, every morning when I like, you're, like, woke I'm not, up, you're like, I'm not going to not go up there. Can't not go there. Right. Yeah. So must, must do. Here we yeah. are. Must do. So I was hanging out there with uh, our, our Swedish brand ambassador, marketing director for Brooklyn Gin, Anders. Um, he was like, we got to do this, man. We got to do this. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. We're hanging out there, waiting in line for like two hours. It was very busy. 
waited in line for two hours. I had like lots of opportunities to back out of it. <laughs> and it's like the morning, it kind of like starts raining a little bit. They say in Cape Town that you have all four seasons in one day. Sure. So it starts raining and then we, we get on the cable car and we go up into the fucking rain cloud, dude. Do you, do you want us? That's high you know, up there, man. Do you know what I'm saying, man? Rain clouds are not low. Do you even understand what I'm saying, dude? Yeah, you're up there. We're in the rain cloud. Did you get above it? I was looking down at rain coming from... Dude, trippy. But it was awesome. Uh, I love Cape Town. love Johannesburg. South Africa, like, everyone's incredible there. And I uh, went to Bangkok for, like, a week. Got to ride on the back of a scooter. I saw your Instagram Helmetless. videos. Helmetless. I saw your Instagram videos, and it was both exci- exciting and terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, that looks like a thrill, but also deadly. Yeah. But totally they, yeah. but the dude driving looked, like, so casual. He was just like, yeah, this is normal. He was like, eh. I'm zipping. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm zipping through traffic yeah. on a tiny scooter. Totally. And, you know, there's a big dude on the back Instagramming it. New amazing bar scenes in both of those locations. Like, I mean, obviously, like, Johannesburg and, and Cape Town. Like, Cape Town's a little bit more, like, uh, metro, and then Johannesburg is, like, like a real like city, you know, right. and then Bangkok is like, wow, I, c- I couldn't believe how many like how big gin is and like those places. It's like huge, man. And like we were um, gin is delicious. Well, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. But it was kind of crazy because one of our buddies was uh, was like literally like I think like thirty minutes. Like we we had like probably we. Were, I think our cars probably pass each other to and from the airport. And that's like, right. uh, it was in Bangkok, and that's the guy we have on the show today. That's today's guest. Yeah. Jesse Vito, man. This is your first time on the show, right? Jesse Vito, welcome, dude. First time on the show. Thank well, you. Nice, man. Welcome. I'm going to embarrass you a little by, by giving you this big old intro I wrote up for you. All right, let's do it. Previously a part of the award winning teams at Booker and Dax and the Dead Rabbit, our guest has recently led Blacktail to number 31 on the world's 50 best bars. Pretty impressive while also being awarded Best New American Cocktail Bar at the Spirited Awards at Tales of the Cocktail in 2017. You were named the New York City's Rising Star Bartender by Star Chefs and earned a place in Zagat's 30 Under 30 Industry Game Changers in New York City. And now you're heading the number eight bar in the world on the 50 Best List, Atlas in Singapore. And he's only 22. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, that's a pile of accomplishments, man. Yeah, it, is, it was a little embarrassing to have those read out loud. Right. Yeah, like, like, <laughs> when someone piles them all up at once, you start to like see what you've done yourself. Yeah, you know, squirming a little. Um, but I mean, not it's, it isn't like you didn't work to get there. You know, it's not like it just fell into your lap. Um, like what? Where, where did you, you? You're from San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I met you here in New York City. Obviously, we we actually worked together and list on those list of accolades. But you and I used to work together for Amaro Montenegro. Um, where where did you? Where do you feel like you got your start? What 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 lit the fire in you? Well, um, definitely it, it started in San Francisco is where um, I started to kind of fall into learning about cocktails. I I got uh, my cousin, Gabriel, who's actually just heading to the airport now. He was hanging out for BCB. He was the one that got me into bars. He started um, bar backing at a bar called Bourbon and Branch in San Francisco. If you guys have been there, you may have been to this bar. And it was this is when the cocktail thing was really taking off, like 2007. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So we were just uh, just talking on the way over here about uh, uh, like our first you and Big cocktail. John, who's also in the studio. He's, he yes. said he's not going to speak on the mic, but I'll, I'll goat him until he does. <laughs> John, say hello. Hey guys. Hey, welcome. <laughs> so yeah, well, John and I both had uh, in separate times a revolver at uh, Johnny Center cocktail revolver at Bourbon and Branch, and that's both of our memories is like a first proper cocktail sometime sometime around 2007. But yeah, I got into bars, didn't know what the hell I was doing. Um, 
I liked to drink, but I didn't really know anything about a proper drink or, you know, the history of things and, and all that. But I just, I really fell in love with it. I, I fell in love with the pace, the whole like camaraderie and team environment. And I was in, I was in school at the time. Um, and I was kind of like not feeling school. <laughs> I was feeling the bar life. And, uh, what were so, you studying? Um, well, I was still doing general ed, but I, I was, uh, U.S. history was my major with a, a minor in psych. I actually wanted to be a, a high school uh, history teacher. Oh, that man, I love psychedelic music. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> psych. Why are you guys laughing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's where it came together, though. You know, like, there's so much history and there's so much story to alcohol and everything. So that, that really all came together for yeah, me. Yeah, for but, sure. Yeah, I always start- feel like it's, like, the coolest thing about the being in the, the spirits industry is, like, it hits on every subject. Mm-hmm. History, science, politics, religion, you know, it's like everything, man. Architecture. It's all. Everything. You name it. We got parts of it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I I got into it. I started bar backing at a place called Beretta out there and kind of cut my teeth, learned to bartend. With Ryan Fitzgerald? Yeah, Fitzgerald. Yeah, Yeah, he was busting my chops big time back then. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, now he has his bar, uh, ABV, which is great. And then around 2011, that's kind of where I was like, all right, like I feel like I should take this more seriously. I feel like I should go all in, and I moved to New York, and that's I probably met you pretty pretty soon after. Actually, both of you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, what made, I mean, I know that New York's certainly a target rich area, but it's not like you left Des Moines, Iowa. You left San Francisco, also target rich. Why did you say to yourself, "I got to go to New York"? Um, San Francisco is great and has a great scene, but it, it you know also growing up there, it's San Francisco is a small city, and I just found myself I couldn't walk down the street without bumping into someone I went to high school with, without you know some people I knew in the industry, which can still happen, but it was it was just a little too comfortable, it was a little too safe. Like I knew I needed to push myself out of that comfort zone, and you know New York is notoriously the place to go to get your ass kicked and learn. Yeah, you know? totally, man. I did yeah. the same thing from Oklahoma City. I was just like, dude, I, I at some point you're like, all right, I've done this, kind of like conquered it still love it but you, you have to expand your, your yeah, own like cv you know what i mean yeah, yeah indeed did you have any uh like soft place to land or did you just come here i, I came here i think i've mentioned my story many times i came here sight unseen i had never been to new york i rented a, <laughs> i rented an apartment over the phone and i got here without a job like how about you how'd you get here yeah i had been i had been before but i mean not too dissimilar, you know, I was like sleeping on a friend's couch, I had no money, <laughs> you know, I came here, I didn't have a job lined up, I literally got a job because like a friend of a friend left his wallet at a restaurant and like met the general manager there and hooked me up, you know, like as, as that goes, and that ended up being a Sambar, Mofuka Sambar, which oh. led to me working at Booker and Dax. Well, the, the great thing about New York City is that if you're gonna like get here, yeah, all you gotta do is get here, because like, showing up, there, man, there's dollar slices everywhere. Yeah. You can survive on dollar pizza slices for sure for a while, and we often have to do, do yeah. because, like, when you first move here, it's like, all right, we're gonna do it. It's, and it's, my first it's also six a months, good way of get your ass kicked. My you know? first six months were not comfortable, and and frankly, at the at the close of my first six months in New York City, I was I was defeated. I was thinking I'm I'm out of here, but then I caught footing somewhere, and it just started to click, and I stuck with it. You got Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, I, got, I, I fell in it's, love with my captor. Yeah, exactly, man. That's what happens with New York City. You're like, like part of you is like, uh, no, I really, I swear to God, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> so, so, I really do. So wait, Sambar, which is part of Momofuku, was your first bar gig proper? First in, proper, in New, in New in New yeah, City. bar gig in New York. Real, real quick, I want to go back to the dollar pizza because I had this experience yeah, man, when I moved here to New York. Right, it's a whole episode. And man. I went. <laughs> it was like a five dollar pie, and I was 
broke as hell, and uh, I was uh, I was staying on a friend's couch who lived like in kind of midtown, uh, like thirty seventh and Third Avenue, and um, I go to this pizza place, and it's like five dollar pie, you know, and I'm like, all right, perfect, we're you know we're we're feeding the whole apartment tonight with this five dollars, and I go in, and I get it, and like it comes out, and it's literally just the bread, and he's I was like, what's this? And he's like, it's five dollars for the pizza. I was like, there's no cheese on here. He was like, yeah, well the cheese that's seven dollars. <laughs> Oh man! Wow, man. Okay. bait and switch, right? Dude, yeah, man. That's just New York, right there. You just that's get hustled. Up, I to, man. I had to argue with them but for dude, a while to get that cheese on there. Dude, that's that's so legit, like New York, man. Like the hustle is very fucking real, you know. Yeah. Like they, like New York does not make anything easy for you, but no. it makes you like a more professional. It person. makes you stronger, like, more day, agile. You know? Like it, it builds. You gotta have it, thick skin. It you know? builds into you a lot of things. No doubt. Um, okay, so back to Sambar. You're at Sambar. This is your first New York City bar in Sambar. I mean, not necessarily known for a bar program. You know, they're known for the great food and, and you know, the whole David Chang thing. Um, but kind of, I guess, serendipitously, Dave Arnold decides to open up Booker and Dax in the back, in the back room but of Sambar. Did, Don Lee was the the bar dude for... He was, Sambar. but I don't think that... I mean, you and can he correct did me. everything neat but I don't think rocks glass. Sam, Sam, that was cool Sambar thing. didn't get a whole lot of press for cocktails. They had a solid, like, quiet program, right? Yeah. So you weren't like just slinging beers and shots. You were making drinks. Yeah, no, I'm making a lot of cocktails, but it was it was service bartending. Like I uh, like yeah. it was actually because there, there's almost no real actual bar to sit at, right? No, you there have, isn't. Like, four seats maybe. And the, there's like four seats at the bar, but the server will still serve those four seats. So, yeah. so it, could, it could be a little awkward sometimes because you're like just making drinks in front of people and they don't get that your job is just to make the drinks oh, and push dude, them out. Actually, you know? th- th- that was something that really freaked me out about like being in Bangkok. It's like like the bartenders don't like actually. A lot of the places they don't talk to you. Like the servers will walk around to you at the like when you're sitting at a bar stool, they'll come up to you and they'll get your drink order. And I'm like, that's cool and everything, but like I really want to talk to the bartender. Like right. I, like I'm sitting at the bar for a reason. Yeah, right. Like it's I can just be sitting in a culturally table. different yeah. approach. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. kind of crazy. But go ahead. You were saying like that same thing with uh with yeah. some bar. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, it was just service bartending. And it was actually like my, basically my, my resume ended up in the hands of Tristan over. Tristan at, Willie? Yeah, yeah, over at Booker and Dax. And I think, you know how it is. There's like, you can never have enough people to possibly jump in as like someone has to leave or things happen. And just someone happened to be leaving. And he was just like, hey, I see you've worked at some cocktail bars in San Francisco. Do you want to work at Booker and Dax? I was like, yes, I would love to. And that was kind of that. Amazing. Uh, and that program was, you know, very forward-thinking at the time. It still is. But, you know, they've moved and changed their name to existing conditions. But, like, super forward-thinking and, like, a lot of technical drive behind that program. And you were there for quite some time, right? From the beginning till... Was there, like, about two years? Yeah, that's, about I mean, two years. that's a long time in a, in a bar that only lasted about four. Yeah. So you were there for 50% <laughs> of its life. Yeah. True. <laughs> and, I mean, this business, people move around so much, too. So to be at a bar for more than a couple of years is not that common for bartenders, you know? Truth. Um, but during that time, you still did other things. As mentioned, you worked with me for Montenegro on the B team with Jason Luttrell and a whole bunch of other nerds. Um, yeah, I want that job back. That was, that was a great job. That was a real, <laughs> that was a nice, uh, it wasn't a difficult paycheck. Yeah. I'll say that. It was a paycheck that was pretty easy to pick up. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm actually doing an event for them tonight. Uh, you know, BCB's in town and uh, Montenegro's hosting the official closing party, so I'll be bartending at the House of Yes. Very nice, very which nice. Which is just uh, yeah. Shit show. Yeah. <laughs> that is. Definitely will be. It's going to be great, though. So, Jesse. Let's, Glitter let's, everywhere. Let's get into, let's talk about your personal style of bartending. Like, like as far as, like, the focus goes on, like, I feel like we, everyone has kind of, like, their own, like, thumbprint 
uh, on you know like their style of drinks. I know like working at Dead Rabbit, like you had like the thirteen bitters bottles pickup or tincture pickup probably <laughs> for every fucking cocktail. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but finish like, with nutmeg. Yeah, always, always yeah. finish with nutmeg. <laughs> when in doubt, finish with fucking nutmeg. Yeah. Um, so, what would you say is like your like what what was the cocktail that turned you into a bartender? Basically, like uh, Sazerac. Yeah, yeah. I actually have a very, I have a very vivid memory burned in my mind that will never leave my head of the first time I had a Sazerac. It was at a bar in San Francisco. I had just started bar backing at this other place. One of the bartenders, as many do in the states, was also working at another place. And he made me a Sazerac, and I just, I, I remember, like, he slid it over to the bar. I was a very inexperienced, you know, cocktail drinker at the time. I was about 21 years old. Did you shoot it? No, I didn't <laughs> shoot it. I didn't shoot it. Now that would have been a little bit better, but no, I just, like, I, I sipped it, and it was that aha moment, you know? Like, everything clicked. Time froze for a second. Like, I remember the two people that were at this table over there where the light was coming into the bar, you know, that, that moment is always mm. imprinted in my mind. But yeah, Sazerac, that was, that was the drink that... That did it. Was it a brandy based or rye based? Rye based. Rye based. Yeah, yeah but well chilled, balanced. Yeah. <laughs> it was a beauty. Glass beauty. frozen, I'm sure. Yes. Aroma of anise. All that. Like, yeah, that's a great that's a great drink to like catch your eye and, and turn you into, you know, a believer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always loved <laughs> like the reason why I asked you if you if you shot it. Oh, I've seen uh, many I've seen many new Sazerac drinkers shoot Sazerac. They think it's it's a shot. Yeah, because it's like served neat in a rocks glass. Mm -hmm. Like typically it's not garnished, it's like zested with lemon and then discarded. So you're like, what do I fucking do? It's like that uh, Ricky Bobby in uh, Talladega Nights. He's like, (laughs) I I don't know what to do with my hands. Like like, what do I fucking do with this man? You're just like I've seen people just like Crush them. Oh yeah, so have I. It's a and like I even asked like <laughs> there was like I think like maybe three years ago someone was at my bar at Grand Army and they ordered a Sazerac. We were doing like an event where it was like I think we we're I think it was like a Michter's whiskey event. Um, we were doing a Sazerac. Shout out to Big John who's in the room. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> they get the drink and they're like they just had that like kind of look on their face like. Uh, you know, just like like full eye contact the entire time, and that's a big they were just like, shot. Boom! Like the whole thing, <laughs> put the glass down, and I was like, you know, that's not a shot, right? They're like, no, it's not a shot. <laughs> it's a fucking Sazerac. Yeah, make me another one. Ooh. <laughs> I was yeah. like, damn, yeah. <laughs> fucking monsters, cool. <laughs> Slide over that 50. Yeah. I was so, like, all right, you're about to be fucking just lit. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So, Shooting uh, we should take a break because uh, it's the middle of the show and we'll come back and keep talking to Desi Vita. But then I want to point out that you worked at uh, Dead Rabbit, which, of course, uh, a heavy uh, list of uh, Irish whiskeys. Then you worked at Blacktail, massive list of rums. And now you're working at Atlas, a huge list of gins. Like, seems like you've got a trail yeah, that you. That bar. Seems like you've got a trail you follow. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about all that when we come right back. Thanks for listening. Today's program is brought to you by our neighbors, Fine and Raw Chocolate. They make bean-to-bar chocolate and confections in HRN's backyard here in Brooklyn. 
Vine and Raw is committed to sustainably sourcing their cocoa beans directly from organic cocoa farmers. They use minimal processing and stone grinding to accentuate chocolate flavor and aroma. Their chocolate is sweetened exclusively with unrefined coconut sugar, which blends delicious caramel notes into the chocolate. Crafted for chocolate lovers, all of Fine and Raw's bars, truffles, and spreads are 100% plant-based. From creamy bars blended with nut butter to salt-sprinkled dark chocolate, sweet truffle bars to toasty coconut dulce de leche, Fine and Raw is obsessed with creating next-level flavors. Their chocolate hazelnut butter made with the best Oregon hazelnuts is the best thing you could ever eat with a spoon. It begs to be drizzled on ice cream, waffles, strawberries, you get the idea. Above all, Fine and Raw is a community of people dedicated to the idea that chocolate is magic. Visit fineandraw.com for your chocolate fix. We are back. You're listening to the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. Souther. Hey, buddy. What are you doing? I'm making making, gin tonics over here with Jesse Vita. (laughs) Nice. Jesse prefers a gin soda, which is, uh, I mean, interesting news. Gin soda? Gin soda for him. Gin tonic for the rest of us. Gin soda, baby. All right, dude. I mean, I guess that lets the gin speak a little bit more. Yeah. Exactly. I like a really wet gin tonic. You know, I was in San Sebastian, Spain, and changed my DNA to drink a gin tonic over there, which is typically same same pour, two ounces or so of gin, but then about seven ounces total of tonic in a giant goblet glass over lots of ice. I've always very refreshing. Like like, as far as like the Spanish style gin tonics, I've always heard that it was like one to seven. Yeah. Like gin to tonic. That could be. I love that in like in a giant goblet. You know, like our wine glass. It's insane. It's great because they drink them all day. So it's that's, like that's yeah. the thing is like the you have to make them it's sessionable a yeah. long drink yeah you know? super long yeah where you know here in America it's I feel like it's two ounces of gin and basically two ounces of tonic and then kind of neither does a favor for the other it's when you when you're on a flight <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you get, it's always Bombay Sapphire yep and a tiny bottle of Bombay Sapphire and you know have you noticed this lately they don't give you the goddamn like can of soda yeah. anymore yeah they're just like uh, you have to ask for it. Jeez. But it used to be like, yeah, I you know, I would can, order man. two gins and a can of tonic. Yeah, give me that can. You know, but then it's just like... I like it in the can. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> anyway, we're drinking gin, which is poignant, because this guy works at a gin bar. And also, uh, Negroni Week's coming up. Are you going to yeah. be selling a lot of Negronis? Do you do a Negroni over there? Do you do you do Negroni Week over there? Oh uh, Yeah, we do. We yeah. do. It's pretty big. We signed up. We'll be doing it. Um, yeah, it's 100-year anniversary of the Negroni. Yeah, mm-hmm. correct. Just That's had heavy, it. man. Just had a bunch of Garibaldi's at Dante before we came over. Oh, right so on. We're doing right our on. part, drinking the Campari for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah roll, man. Roll up your sleeves and drink some Campari um, and some gin. Yeah, there's, and, there's some of that activation, like kind of like it's like the the precursor to that is happening a lot right now. With like right, obviously we're, it's Bar Convent Brooklyn right now right today. Now, so mm-hmm. there's like a lot of uh, kind of like activation going on with uh, Negroni being a hundred. Yeah, yeah, they've got a beautiful stand over there where everything's painted red and it just says Negroni one hundred and uh, looks pretty rad. Uh, yeah. And by magazines here to sponsor that as well, and they're they're mm-hmm. the they're the kind of catalyst and sponsor of the whole thing. In the first place, it raises tons of money for charities right. all over the world of yeah. all different kinds because each bar chooses their charity. I I chose Muttville this year to help uh, rescue older dogs. Um, uh, you know, my partner is very into animal uh, activism, so we're going with a, a charity for dogs this year. Yeah. Um, but you a hundred. So Negroni's turning a hundred. You've got Campari, of course, at Atlas. 
Do you have 100 gins? Could you make 100 different Negronis? I could make <laughs> 1,300 different Negronis. Holy shit. We're going to need more like? yeah, what's it? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to need a bigger boat. Yeah. <laughs> what is the, what, so how does one stand in front of a bar that has 1,300 of a single category? That's incredible. Don't you do that at Amore Margo? I have like 280 tomorrow. That's like a, you know, that's. But no one's counting. Dropping the bucket. <laughs> so dropping the bucket. Well, I'm going to open another Amore Margo in two months. So we'll try and up that number. What the fuck? What? Well, you've been gone a while. So I was bored. I decided to open another bar. Honeybees honey honey been... is already six weeks old. I'm bored. <laughs> I've been bored as fucking San Francisco, man. Like, but I haven't. Well, well, I'm working on it. Yeah. But. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, we're gonna do a Mori Margot two in Brooklyn. This motherfucker uh, like next month. writes his book on an iPhone. Yeah, man, I'm a busy man. With I'm, moving, I'm on the move. Two thumbs. I got my scooter. <laughs> Dude. Do you write your book on the scooter? Why not? We'll yeah. try, that's a, well, I'm working on the next book. Amazing. Um, so uh, yeah, what's it like to stand in front of a bar? Like, how does your guest take take that? I mean, obviously, it's probably both fascinating and intimidating. Yeah, it is both to, those to them and to you and your staff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a big thing too, right? Is like to maintain, to educate. Like it's it's pointless to have it if we don't know how to talk about it. We mm-hmm. don't know how to sell it. So we're always looking for ways to improve. I mean, I face that, that same area. problem with with a fraction of the number. Like I have about two hundred eighty MR. You said thirteen hundred, and mm-hmm. I face that same problem. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot. But I mean, it's it's definitely part of the attraction of Atlas. And Atlas is very grand. You know, we were talking yeah. before. You've seen it's pictures beautiful. before. I mean, it's just such a massive space. It's so it's so like lush and bright and uh you know it's art deco and detailed and as soon as you walk into atlas like your your head rolls back and you look up and look around i still do it when i walk in and i see people doing it all the time when they come in uh so yeah i mean that's kind of like that's part of our part of our thing you know it was like like we we really want to i believe we have the largest collection of gins in the world right now i don't know that that may not be true but i haven't heard of anyone having more but you know it's we, it takes a huge team to maintain it from selecting the gins that uh, we put on the back bar uh, or in our tower um, to, you know, educating the staff to sourcing it. Singapore is also an open market, so I can buy a bottle of gin off you and throw it in right. our list and put it in the back yeah. bar. So we have that advantage and ability to, to, to have those spirits. You have to your system like yeah. you do in the United States. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, um, which is probably a blessing and a curse in some ways. Yeah, sure. But, uh, I mean... I mean, think about that number, Damon. That's uh, that's it's, uh, if it's thirteen hundred. Even if you focused on three a day, it'd take you a year and a half to drink all the gins. Yeah. To like focus on them. So as a staff, like, how are you update, uh, updating and maintaining that education? I mean, obviously, it's got to be a lot of written and, and read, readable material because they can't be drinking gins every day. You'd a, be whittling away at your inventory, and B, they'd be hammered all the time. Well, we do. <laughs> we we do. Uh, like fucking like bunch of shit house employees walking around <laughs> trying to talk about gins. Sounds like Grand Army. Yeah. <laughs> the drinking culture is different. Working there, fireplace over there at Atlas. <laughs> like you know what? When I was uh, running bars in New York, it was more like all right. We, like we're taking too many shots sometimes there. It's like people are, they're so behaved like the staff in the Asian culture. Sometimes I'll be like, all right guys, I'm pouring us some shots. And everyone's like, no, I'm okay. I'm like, no, no, no. We're doing these shots. Like, like come on. Yeah, yeah. Right, this is education. <laughs> exactly. your job right this now. is uh, you know, camaraderie. Uh, exactly. This is a lot of things, you know, um, to answer, so, so, answer your question though. Um, basically what we do is every day at lineup, we always taste a gin and talk about it. And different staff members are tasked to like bring the information. Cause you know, it's, it's one thing to just, 
hand someone a giant Bible and be like, read these, and nothing's going to really manifest, you know? But having the staff lead the education, I think it really helps them internalize a lot of it. Oh, yeah, of course, cool. of course. So each day someone's responsible to talk about a particular gin on the back Yeah, bar. correct. When uh, you do, like, your gin tonic service, do you do, like, like what's your presentation style like with, like, um, your martinis and your... your gin tonics yeah i mean for you know for a classic gin and tonic we have a selection of about 14 different tonics um obviously all kinds of different gins yeah and that'll get served like we're used them. to yeah <laughs> <laughs> like a in, in a highball you know whatever some citrus or whatever garnish requested or or thought to be had with that gin um, but we do also uh, give a shout out to you know that spanish style that we were discussing so we also also offer a gin tonica, um, which is like served in that Spanish style with the big, yeah. big balloon glass. Um, you know, more ice, more tonic in there. So those are the two main serves. But then we'll also we offer like a slow gin and tonic. We have these things in our menu, and it's cool because it engages people. I think in like certain things that they wouldn't really know about yeah. or try, like a you know an old tom and tonic things like that. But I mean, you know, we have a a, a big cocktail menu. We have. Not only 1,300 gins, we have about 250 other spirits on the back bar from, you know, agave to rum to everything. Well, because we have, Atlas is, is in a hotel, right? So you got to cater to... It's not in a hotel. Oh, it's not? It's, it's meant to look like that. Oh. So it's built out. It's like, it's like an homage to like these 1930s like Art Deco French Grand Lobby. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Full it's deal, actually man. commercial real estate <laughs> um, above us. So a lot of embassies, different agencies and stuff like that. Dude, so I was just thinking about this. Like the... But you do get, you know, like people walking in there who are like, I don't really... I'm going They're to the like, bar. I don't I know if here? it's all gin, right? <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. You, still want to, you still want to cater to them in some way. Of course, of course. But with, with, yeah. Without sloping too far from your ethos. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right. we're definitely a gin bar, but we have other things. I was just thinking about like the like the staff training and like the way you present the... And also like the way that you said like the, the staff... You know, like, obviously in the United States, like we have like a huge sometimes problem with like the staff drinking a ton like on the job. But I like the idea of that, like that everyone's treating more like professionally, and tasting is more on the professional side, like the actual research for, you know, doing your job. Mm. There was a, I was talking with a, a really good buddy of mine, ours. Um, I think we're all buddies with Willie Shine, of course. You know, from Eager Master. He, um, he's one, been in here with us. Yeah. So he uh, he and I were talking one day. Actually, the last time we was on the radio show, we were we went to we went to Rockarola and had some Budweisers and some shots of tequila because <laughs> that's what that's what bartenders do, yeah. you know. So uh, just another at, day at the office at four thirty in the afternoon. Um, but he was I was actually like kind of picking his brain. And I was like, dude, so how do you think I'd be better at my job as like a brand ambassador for a gin company? And he was like, dude. Don't be a master of gin. Be a master of botanicals. He's like, he's like, I know you love like Amaro and like Fernet and like gin. Like so, like thing is like, there's a common theme with all these. Like, like you love vermouth. You know, like like be a, become a master of botanicals. Like study that. And I was like, it kind of like blew my mind. So like Willie Shine, got, yeah, Willie Shine, man. I mean, he was saying it like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> but he... Uh, Let's go surfing, man. Yeah. But he, uh, like, just thinking about, like, the... Uh, we've done that in, like, lineups, like, the, you know, like, uh, pre-shift meetings and stuff like that. It's like, we, rather than talking about, like, the, just, like, the spirit or the brand, it's like, let's talk about what's in it, you know? Like, you know, like, everyone can talk about, like, spaghetti meatballs, but, like, let's talk about what's in the spaghetti. Yeah. What's in the meatballs. 
You know, right. what's in the sauce? You know, like, that's yeah. like, it's kind of like, I like this. I like this, uh, like, set up to where people aren't just trying to take shots all night yeah. right. <laughs> at your part. How, how many <laughs> how many staff you got over there and how many seats is Because, I mean, all, obviously, Damon and I have only seen photos. Mm. Uh, and we also have tiny and bars. And it's, yeah, exactly, <laughs> for sure, comparatively. Um, so, yeah, like, how, how what are we talking about when we, when we think about Atlas? Uh, 150 seats. Um, That's actually less than I assumed from the photos. It looks humongous. Yeah, I mean it's big, yeah. but it, it's 150 seats, but it's also controlled. Like there's not a lot of standing. There's some standing, but but not a lot of it. Um, I would say definitely. I mean, and w- one of the biggest challenges for me there is we open at 10 a.m. and we serve the full cocktail menu. That's awesome. And we, and we go till two, <laughs> and it is awesome. And you know, I actually had a. That was like prime meats back in the day. We opened up at 7 a.m. and you could order a fucking Cote de Boeuf and a Manhattan. Yeah. 7 a.m. Let's kick the day off. You know what? People people did did that just out of spite. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, I did it actually a couple times. I mean, yeah. people did that because they were still ending their night. Their night yeah, wasn't totally, over. Totally. Yeah. It was all just like the your Gowanus day Yacht Club yeah, Exactly. <laughs> 100%. But it was pretty dope, man. So wait, 10 a.m.? That's another thing that probably made me think it was a hotel. Yeah, I mean, it seems, it seems that way, and it feels that way to a certain respect. But it's kind of a blessing, though, because I don't have to go through like the hotel chain of, of sure. everything to like order liquor and all that kind of stuff. But... Yeah, I mean it's a big space, and I think it's definitely. I think it's a nice staple opening opening at 10 a.m. and having um, that available. But it's also a challenge because I have to have a fully properly trained bartender on at 10 a.m. You know, we have three wells. Um, bar team is probably about 14 people. Uh, the the floor. We have. I think we have like 54 employees. Roughly, it seems shockingly low for such yeah. a massive. Really, place. and all those hours, like you, when he, as soon as he said ten a.m., I was like, oh man, that's a whole other that's a whole other team. Yeah, you start like looking at the overlapping hours. It's like it's pretty insane, man. Yeah, yeah, putting the schedule together. I feel like it's like a Rubik's cube. Every time, like when I fin- when I finish like putting the roster and schedule together, I'm like, I mean, oh, got it. Yeah. Do, do you have team members who are like, no, man, I just want to be the ten a.m. Like that's my gig. I want to work from ten to whatever and go home and have a life. Because I would do that if it was good pay. Yeah, and well, <laughs> like I mean, yeah, day, I was totally. a day bartender for a long time, actually, three years. It's all salary there, so it doesn't make a difference. Oh. So, like, if someone wanted to have their lifestyle Wait, be that way, what they are could. These, I don't understand these words you're saying. <laughs> celery, it comes in the celery. It comes in, oh, yeah, yeah, it comes yeah, in your bloody, bloody mary. mary. Yeah, red snapper. Red snapper atlas. It's a garnish. Yeah. <laughs> this is weird that you're talking about garnishes coming from some bar where you didn't garnish anything. <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, so I, I don't have anyone particularly who like only wants to work those AM shifts. So I kind of rotate everybody, but do you, you rotate know. as well? I mean, do you work that 10 AM shift? Sometimes? I used to do it, but I don't anymore just because it's you're like, the fucking boss, I that's just, why. I need to, I gotta, <laughs> you're the fucking boss. That's why. Yeah. Got those meetings, got those emails. You sure. Know how it is. I do. Um, but, I, and so you've been there since you said around November ish. Yeah. I moved there in November. And you moved for the gig. You got the gig before you got over there. Correct. Because there was yeah. nobody over there that could do the job. Unlike when we moved to New York. Yeah, we already, <laughs> yeah. already had a job. Right. <laughs> uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like, Were you headhunted because you were doing such a kick-ass job at both Blacktail and, and uh, um, Dead Rabbit previously? Or? Yeah. Like, I did was... someone come to you? You certainly didn't just be like, I'm going to go work over there. I got. I got to put in an application. Yeah, exactly. We got an online thing, right? Yeah, I was a, I actually found it on Craigslist. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, no, I got I got a I got a text message that led to a phone call from um, a friend of mine, Jason Williams, who uh, lives out in Singapore, and he's actually the general manager of the creative team for Proof and Company uh-huh, out right. there, and they do Where some our consulting. Good friend Chris Louder works. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's good to be on that side of the world. Dominating with Chris. that shit. Yeah, he's he's a killer, man. 
Um, yeah, and they just he was just like, hey, if you're interested, let's have the conversation. And it, and it, and it was just a conversation to start because I it, I didn't know that it was what I wanted. I mean, obviously, to pick up and move literally to the other side of the world is, is a yeah. big move. And uh, but. That conversation led to another conversation that led to an interview with the general manager that led to, you know, FaceTimes with the owners and an interview with the food and beverage manager. And it was just like as we continued to have that momentum in our interviews, it became very clear to me that we were all kind of like in the same vision and had uh, just kind of saw what we wanted to do with Atlas and what it what we think we can do with it. And, yeah, I mean, long story short, we came to terms. Yeah, I it- it's it's really like you mentioned uh, Chris Louder before, um, but like I feel like there's a, there's like a very interesting kind of like dynamic switch with it's been happening for like the last like I'd say four or five years like with this kind of like head hunting job opportunities like new like career path kind of situations like it, it it's it's really interesting to see like professionally how like this is like turning into a thing where like I mean hell like you know like um, I would say even like even just past like five years ago there was like no real like we all had, we, we were all, like connected in our network like uh, professionally with like with the, the industry like in other countries and other cities but like as far as like the actual hiring process goes Oh, sure. Like, this is, like, it's, like, really changed. You know? Well, I think what you got is you got a situation where there's a burgeoning market that's very interested in doing the thing, and they have a lot of money, uh, but they don't have a lot of experience, so they got to reach out They've to... They've got a lot of celery. Yeah, they got a lot of celery. So they got to reach out to places and, and reach out to people who are, you know, kicking ass and, and taking names in other places and bring them over, you know? Um, I mean, they, that makes sense to me. And I think that, that trend will slow down, right? They'll populate the, the thing with people who are teachers and leaders and mentors like you. Sure. Uh, Jesse. And then they'll, uh, those people will learn from you, and then those people will start taking those jobs, right? Because yeah. you got over there. Let's talk about that a little. You got over there. They were already number 15, or no, number, number eight when you got there on the 50 best list. Um, so that means they were already kicking ass. So how do you feel about their team, the team that's under you? Are they, are they rising up to that challenge, or are they just uh, you know, technicians that are just doing what you say? Are they coming to you with creativity? Are they coming to you with more to put on the table? It's definitely getting there. I mean, you know, pretty green in general, like coming from a market like New York, um, where you just have like tons of killers and, you know, every every, every good bar has a really long line of people who want to work there. Um, it's a little different in Singapore. Uh, there's also, there's a quota in Singapore. So you have to hire four Singaporeans for any foreigner. So oh, that's interesting. that's interesting. I mean, it's it's a good and a bad thing, you know. Like I think, in it, it's a little bit of a struggle for food and beverage because obviously starting out in F and B is not you know the highest paying or it's not like the most like glorious position when you come in your bar backing or washing dishes, whatever. Um, but uh, Man, the that team, seems the, like a tough rule too because just just because it sh- it should be based on percentage. What if my whole place only has four employees? Yeah, I mean it's and it's yeah. it's it's really tough, especially for like smaller like, like standalone places. Yeah, totally, totally. And like so, that's like hotels can have a little bit of advantage too because you know it's their overall staff. So you know they sure. they might like a bar might only have foreigners. But I think you know it's it's important to me that we're you know raising the culture and kind of like you're talking about you know five years from now I don't want them to be bringing out bartenders from other markets. I want Singaporeans to be leading that market and to sure. be, yeah. to be learning and taking over those programs. You know. Um, or, or coming over here and kicking ass. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Like bringing, bringing a whole different perspective yeah, totally. and view. Yeah, well, I actually brought one of our bartenders with me. Yana, I just saw her floating around outside there. Um, it was her first, here. first time to New York, um, first time out here, and she's just like, Jesse, I want to move here. And I was like, she was like, would no. you support it? And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, cool, but yeah, you know, like, 
let's get back. Why don't you put a plan together and then I'll support you there and help you out. But right. like, <laughs> you know, right. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's amazing to, you know, see her and to see other people in the staff get to grow and get to see things and kind of like what you were touching on, Damon. I mean, with just like how this industry has grown, it's crazy, right? Yeah. You know, from 10 years ago. And it's really followed a lot of the trend, one, of restaurants and then also just big businesses that grows in general. Now there's just so much more opportunity. So, you know, Michter's brought us out here from Singapore and like there's so, many, there's so many brands now that are really like focusing their budgets towards, you know, connecting the world globally and in, in different ways, you know, having the opportunity to get a job, you know, somewhere like Singapore, which definitely wasn't really a thing five, six years ago so much, you know, it's just it, it's amazing. I mean, there's so many avenues now. It's not just bartender, bar owner. Obviously, you guys right. have done that, but like you know that 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 was the only options a while ago. Yeah, yeah for sure. Now there's consultant, author, podcaster. Like mm-hmm. we have, we've got it all. I do most of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna be. Like, but I dude. would like to point out just real quickly. I'm gonna I'm gonna break some balls real fast. Uh, so how many thousands of miles is it from Singapore to New York and then further on down to to uh, the southeast United States? And, and John still hasn't taken Damon and I down there. He's bringing you all the way from Singapore <laughs> down to Victor's and. All right. <laughs> well, you can you can go to Michter's their their Fort Nelson Distillery, and uh, if you take the tour, you'll you'll hear a familiar voice. Oh, that's right. You're the you're the you're the voiceover uh, of their of their, Is that of their true? yeah yeah. yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> so Damon's dulcet tones are yeah, telling you all about Michter's yeah, baritone. You'll yeah. get you'll get to hear it tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, that's outstanding. Um, Hey, Jesse, I want to talk to you about something real quick. Um, so, like, you kind of, like, touched on this just a second ago. Like, the, you know, like, you're talking about, like, the different, like, kind of, like, aspects of, like, different opportunities in the bar world with, like, being a bartender, bar owner, brand master, author, like, all this stuff. Like, what's 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 your goal, man? Like, what what's your, like, what's your plan, man? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, I think, you know, I've always... I mean, obviously, it's going to change all the time, Of right? course, but... yeah, it will. I mean, you know, my, my approach to this business has always been, like, slow and methodical. Mm. I'm, like, the type of person that wants to, like... <laughs> wait, wait, I want right. to pause on slow and methodical and go back. You started bartending in 2007, is that what you said? <laughs> <laughs> well, like... you know, our, our business moves really fast, you know what I mean? It, it's, it's true. Well, in the sense, like I, you know, I was I was offered to be a head bartender probably about four or five times before I accepted the role, you know, because I just feel like there was more I could learn, there was more I, I needed to do before I could be really good at it instead of kind of fumbling my way awesome. through. Um, so I still feel that way, you know. It's like now my job is I'm still very much working service, but uh, my role is much more administrative than it ever has been, you know. So learning those back ends and uh, what I could see myself, I think what I what I would like to see myself in a few years is more like a creative director kind of yeah. role is where I'm headed right now. Um, maybe I want to own a bar someday down the road, but, you know, it's like the more you learn, the closer you get to understanding what it takes to own a bar, yeah. the more I'm kind of like, well, I'll just pump the brakes a little bit, you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I think, I think but three like, years from it's now. It's like getting like tattoos. Me. It's like once <laughs> once you open the first one, you're like, you're like, oh, shit, man. Like, uh, I'm in it. Like, yeah. <laughs> now we're in. I got to get that second one yeah. and that third one, you know. But the the, uh, the thing is, like, the the joy you get out of it is, like, it's like going back to, like, we were talking about, like, right at the, the beginning of the show. It's like the the New York hustle, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like, you like, you build that up in you and you're like, all right, fuck this. We're doing more of this. Mm-hmm. Not going to let it bring me down. Not gonna yeah. let it get on top of me, you know. Like you yeah. gotta, you gotta keep going. 
And, like, I really appreciate the fact that you brought up, like, all the admin work because, like... <laughs> That's the sexiest Dude, part of the job. It's yeah. the sexiest part of the job. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, putting putting us bartenders in those positions is definitely yeah, something. Dude, it's a big learning yeah. curve because we're used to walking in, walking to the bar, like, "Hey, how you doing? Let yeah. me get you a drink." You know, it's like. Then you have people who are like working in the business that have that more you know business mindset or come from like you know more hotel backgrounds and yeah. stuff. Like, we're gonna need those uh, TPS reports. Yeah, <laughs> you right. know, it's kind of like uh, that. You got to shift a little bit. Well, even just doing the math on uh, you know when you scale up to a place. I mean, you came from again Dead Rabbit and Blacktail, which mm. are massive programs. Yeah. Huge. But like I remember, you know, chatting with Louder, Chris Louder, when he was my, uh, um, well, he still bartended at Amori Margo when he was starting at Nomad, and he would talk about how, oh yeah, the prep guy makes sixteen quarts of ginger syrup daily. <laughs> That's just ginger syrup. We got a shitload of other syrups and things for him to do, mm-hmm. right? Like, how do you even approach that That's scale crazy. of things? You know yeah, I mean? I mean the. Is it more? I got zero. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's why that program's always been so brilliant, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot, and it's a learning curve, and, you know, I, I definitely, you know, I've just started traveling now, too, for the bar. I mean, like, the first six months, it was just, like, lock in there just almost about every day, and to figure out all those things, you know, from, you know, like, kind of redoing some of the costing, figuring out, like, where, you know, working with the right distri- distributors for, like, you know, different products, it's also as an open market, there will be like four distributors carrying the same product, you know. So mm-hmm. you gotta like build your relationship right. with yeah. one, get your pricing. You gotta build a relationship out, with all of them and make sure that, that you know yeah, that they all know that you're looking at all the prices, right? Yeah, you're exactly. not just like I'm just gonna buy from you, and then the other guy's like, all right, and I got them now. I'm just gonna yeah. put charge them what I want. They're not looking anymore. Yeah, hundred percent. But yeah, keep, I mean, it's, keep them honest. The, the the volume there too is just staggering. I mean, we're we do you know quarter million a week in sales there. We're the I I, I order ten cases of gin. Just for our Atlas Martini, a week. You know what I mean? Like it's just like that. Like, the, and that's just one cocktail. So yeah, the the volume is massive there. So that's all been a learning curve. But I mean, it's like you know, I'm I'm up to the challenge. And I think you know, coming into the bar that's number eight in the world, it's like, and that talking about that methodical approach, I wouldn't have been ready to do Atlas if I didn't do Blacktail. Yeah. And when we opened Blacktail, you know, we were opening the sister bar to the best bar in the world at that yeah. point. Yeah. So, like, you know, I've felt this pressure before. Like, I know what it's like and, like, kind of how to navigate it. But it's just, like, one of those things where one thing leads to the next. And if you do take your time, then you can be ready for it. And you're not in this situation where you're just like, oh, my God, I just bit off way more than I can chew. You know, there's always going to be a learning curve. But totally, man. I'm a big fan of the, like, the process. Yeah, and, totally. You know, yeah, being methodical and yeah. taking the correct steps. Speaking of that, so I, I was thinking about this, like, right before the show. Especially with like all these people in for Bar Convent Brooklyn, um, there's a lot of like new blood, new bartenders that are like, you know, a lot of people who listen. They came up to me yesterday. They were like, "Hey, we listen to the show. We love." Bar-. It's like, I know we're like man. rock stars at Bar Convent Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, people are like are. coming up and taking photos of us and shit. I'm straight hiding behind like you know a citrus tree. Is everybody's like, just worried <laughs> that maybe that's Dylan? Is that Dylan or Damon? Yeah, I don't know. Fuck it. Twin brother. Don't, don't go talk to him. But like. <laughs> I was thinking about this like yesterday. I was like, man, so I've been doing this for 16, 17 years now. Like, what advice would I give myself like 10 years ago? Keep working on motorcycles. <laughs> well, no, that's the thing about motorcycles. You always have to keep working on yeah. them. <laughs> but like, what, what yeah. advice would, like, if you could go back to your like 10 year younger self, what would you? Like, I think this is important for, like, a lot of, especially, like, a lot of the new, like, generations for bartenders and, like, people who want to, like, get into, like, bar ownership and brand ambassador work. What advice do you think you would give yourself 
10 years ago? I mean, you know, honestly. Sorry, it's a fucking heady question. I know, yeah, yeah it, it is. is. And But, you know, I mean, I'm just going to say the first thing that comes to my mind, and that would just be, like, not to rush it, you know, to take your time, to learn from people, um, to be receptive to constructive criticism. I think sure. that, that was probably one of my biggest learning curves is just, you know, I was always, like, problem with authority type of person growing up so it was always kind of yeah it was yeah. always kind of hard for me for like people to like really like correct me or come down hard on me I always had something to say back you know so I would say from a maturity standpoint um just to like take your time to learn from people realize when someone knows more than you when someone has more experience than you sure. um and you know uh, if you're gonna commit go all the way in committing isn't just totally. going to the parties and hanging out committing is taking your work home you know, reading the cocktail books, when you're working around someone, when you go sit in front of Souther Teague and Amoria Margo, like, it's a quiet night. Not that you guys have many of those, but <laughs> if it is, you know, ask him about some tomorrow. You know, have the conversation. Like, brain, yeah. Continue, Continue to grow and to learn. And I think some one, one kind of negative aspect that comes with the massive growth of the business is, I mean, people are just getting big opportunities, you know, when they're probably not totally ready for them, you know, yeah. especially like being in Singapore. It's like, I mean, yeah. things are opening all the time, you know? Yeah. I would, I would piggyback on that notion and say, you know, uh, yeah, take your time. But I've always said, always take the meeting, but you don't you always, always you don't always, always have to, you don't always have to take the job. Always have the conversation. 100%. Always take the meeting. Yeah. Cause that meeting is learning too, right? Yeah. hundred percent. Like all those meetings you had, up, like, like you said, it, it, it eventually focused itself that you guys were all heading in the same direction mm -hmm. and, and you, then you took the job. Yeah. But if you hadn't have just taken that first text, that first call, that first Skype. Yeah. Like just take the meeting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I guess it's, I mean, it's kind of, I guess it would take like a lot of explaining to really go into depth on, on that thought of that advice, what I would give. But yeah, I yeah. mean, it's definitely, it's like take your time with it, but also it's kind of hard. You got to know when to take the jump too. You know, you got to know when it's the well, right time to there's, do something. There's the, one of the things I love about this industry is it's, it's so much. It, like it's, there's, you can never know it all. Like there's always more to learn. So like, like you said, like listening, reading, like it's, it's all very important. I always say like, I know Southers heard me say this a billion times, but like I always say the two finest things you can do for another human being cook for them and listen to them and neither are easy to do <laughs> yeah but like but it's true like that's i mean obviously that's why we have our radio show indeed jesse uh if someone wanted to get in touch with you could they and if so how so yes they can get in touch with me i, I mean social media would probably that's be the, the best way, way here right? yeah i'd say my instagram at jesse j vita j-e-s-s-e-j-v-i-d-a jesse j vita uh on instagram uh, and I'm sure Atlas has an Instagram they could follow too, just to see of gorgeous, course, yeah. gorgeous, gorgeous photos of that yes. space and, and the drinks yeah. that you're producing over there. That's Atlas Bar SG. Atlas Bar SG. That's great. Um, well, man, what a great time having you in here. Thanks for bringing us some gin and tonics. Thanks for bringing Quiet John over there. Say hi again, John. <laughs> Say hi. Hey, guys. There you go. Uh, John's going to eventually take me. I guess both of you are getting to go. I've never been down there uh, to, to see Michter's uh, and drink some whiskey. Um, you know, I did open an all-American whiskey bar, and we are featuring some of your juice. It's fine. So whatever, uh, yeah. <laughs> no big deal. No yeah. big deal. Um, but, man, what a pleasure to have you on, man. Uh, and I can't believe that, that you haven't been on in my time and you hadn't been on the show even before that, right? It's pretty shocking, yeah. given all the cool things it's you been, did before uh, you left New York. It's been almost 10 years on the speakeasy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, almost 10 years for uh, Heritage Radio and uh, almost 10 years for the speakeasy. 
What a great segue, Damon. Yeah, thank uh, you. It is the 10th anniversary <laughs> summer drive here at uh, uh, Heritage Radio Network, and we've got a bunch of new member gifts. Uh, you can go to heritageradionetwork.org forward slash donate and donate different amounts for different cool prizes. Uh, we've got a really cool limited edition enamel pin that says HRN. It looks like a slice of pizza. We've got our new limited edition pizza pocket tea, and of course we always tie pizza into the thing because we're here at Roberta's yeah. Pizza. Um, we've got a limited edition deluxe bonbon box from Fine and Raw Chocolate. You can also get a Chef's Choice Spice selection from Burlap and Barrel for different uh, donation uh, uh, levels. So go check it out and, and donate some money towards the station so that we can uh, keep producing content like this so you can keep listening and drinking with us every week. Absolutely. Southern, Jesse, dude. John, Big John. Even though you didn't say any fucking thing. You know, your silence says a lot, John. Yeah. <laughs> you you got a presence, you got a presence yeah. in the room, and it speaks volumes, and we're glad to have yeah. you here every time. It's really been uh, great to uh, be back in the studio. Great to be back with, with you, you man. I haven't seen um, you in like two months. I know, man. I opened, where, where I, I opened a bar while you were gone, and I'm opening another one next yeah. week. You know, when you're not around, I get freaked out. I start opening bars. All right. Well, I'll... I'll not be around more. Yeah. Well, I'd, prefer, I'd prefer you stick around. All right. Well, thank uh, you. Um, so that's cool. Um, it's been a great show, guys. I really appreciate catching up with all of you, um, especially you, Souther, uh, and hey, congratulations on the new spot. Thank you. And uh, for everyone out there who's uh, hanging out at uh, Bar Club in Brooklyn, um, swing around, like come see us at our bars. Like we're all going to be hanging out uh, for the entire week. Uh, Happy Negroni week coming up. And Jesse, we'll see you in Singapore, man. I hope so, man. And also, guys, quite an honor to be on the show. Been a fan of both of your careers coming up, and it's it's, it's quite an honor for you guys to have, have me on. Um, so thank you very much for that, and we do hope to see both of you in Singapore. It's, yeah, it's, it's an amazing city. Yeah, man. Our We're, pleasure. We're going. All right, We're going to be on the celery. Cheers, everybody. Yeah. Thanks so much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cheers, Listen everybody. Thanks so much. The speakeasy <laughs> on the devil with your rock and roll load knows that country music Save your soul, the Want more of the Speakeasy? Follow us and ask questions on Instagram at Speakeasy Podcast or on Twitter at Speakeasy Radio. You can find Damon at Damon Bolte and you can find me at Creative Drunk on all platforms. Take a moment to write us a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite platform and give us a star rating, five if possible. If you're visiting New York City or a resident, stop by the studio and hang out with us during an episode. Reach out beforehand to make sure we'll be here. We'd love to see you. And please support our show by visiting heritageradionetwork.org and clicking on the beating heart to donate. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.